Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And guys, today we are going to start with some new AAC rankings. CBS Sports insider John Rothstein, <laughs> a friend of Brooks, uh, dropped his AAC full preview and released his power rankings with it. Uh, then there was some more news that dropped on Monday that the SAT ACT scores will be dropped for the class of 2021 prospects. We'll get into that and then we will get into some football. The UT Martin game was canceled on Monday and then at the end Brooks may drop some VIP nuggets for those that stick around. But as I said we're going to start with those AAC rankings. Memphis came in at number three for John Rothstein. Brooks thoughts on that? Well you know everyone knows that I don't mind confrontation I I actually embrace it. I I think that encouraging dialogue when when things are said or done that uh, need to be addressed uh, is crucial to uh, any sort of progress in people's thinking, the way that they view things. And so I I have been known to call out John Rothstein before. And so last night, unrelated to his AAC stuff, I decided to call out John Rothstein on something else. He tweeted, source, the NCAA will not require prospects in the 2021 class to provide a, he said, an, an SAT or ACT score uh, to the NCAA, <laughs> NCAA eligibility center due to COVID-19. That was at 442, according to a source. Four hours prior at 1225, John Rothstein, I mean, the NCAA research uh, Twitter handle released the same exact information in a statement. So I called out John Rothstein. I think it's goofy for somebody to to claim a source and try to pretend like they're a college basketball insider when it's very obvious that there's no source there. It was a tweet that, that came from the NCAA. And so I say that and I pointed out his other, other tweet about making a big deal about the one-time transfer waiver uh, eligibility. I, I point that out as well to say that I enjoy calling out John Rothstein because I do think that there are times where he comes across as um, a a fake. I, I'll just say that, and I I think that his AAC rankings, the the stuff that he did yesterday, validates that. I think you look at his his five points about the AAC. Uh, the only thing he said about the Memphis Tigers is that so far in Penny Hardaway's career, he has failed to reach the NCAA tournament. They failed to do so last year. John, reminder for you, buddy, nobody made the NCAA tournament last year. Nobody. Uh, so to pretend like that's some sort of knock on the Memphis staff, you could say that about Duke, Michigan State, UNC, Kentucky. Nobody made the NCAA tournament, and to pretend like it was a done deal that it was going to happen, it it whitewashes the history of March within the NCAA. That's what March is for. That's what conference tournaments are for. That's what you know, getting an auto bid through winning your conference tourney, tourney is all about. 
There are teams year in, year out. Historically, Memphis has gotten bids to the NCAA tournament when they wouldn't have otherwise. And it still, guess what? It still goes on the resume. It's still an appearance. So, but he, he went on to say, like, if Memphis doesn't make it this season, then Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers are officially underachieving as a program. Like that's the only thing you can muster to to talk about with Memphis and to fail to to talk about DJ Jeffries, Lester Quinones missing time last year. Didn't mention Musa Cisse at all. Didn't mention adding Isaiah Stokes, a former top 100 four star recruit. Failed to mention adding one of the top JUCO guys in the country. He may not you know, have been a guy prior to his commitment that garnered the buzz, but adding a dude who's essentially replacing Isaiah Maurice. So, I mean, we're talking about replacing a guy that made very little to no impact for this Memphis team with a ton of potential for the next two years. So, and then leaving every dude on Memphis's roster off that preseason uh, All-American team, it's crazy. Yeah, that one that one made no sense to me. Uh, and I thought it was funny because if you caught it on Twitter, Precious tweeted at him and he said they're doing the same thing they did last year, which to me just uh, – first off, we know Precious is the dog and that's his mentality. But I kind of feel like that's the mentality of the entire Memphis team and it has been since Penny Hardaway took over. So I love that tweet from Precious and it, I feel like that's kind of the mindset of the team overall. And a couple other things that he – I think he briefly mentioned – uh, Landers Nolly and DeAndre Williams and I know that could ultimately be a wash if they aren't uh, deemed eligible by the, by the NCAA but those are two huge additions if they do get their eligibility and I know we've kind of strayed away from talking about them too much because it it, it is an unknown at this point we don't know what's going to happen with them so we can leave that off the table and not even discuss that and I think you still can make a very good argument that Memphis should be higher than number three Brooks well, I mean you- just just look at the last three months since the season has ended. Houston, SMU obviously had a ton of carryover, had high expectations coming into this year. Memphis is the proverbial what if from last year. You know, there was a ton left on the table for them with so much drama that went on around the program, so many injuries. But Houston, what happens to Houston in the offseason? They lose one of their best bigs in white. He's out for the year to injury. So that obviously takes Houston down a notch. And then what happens with with SMU? Isaiah Mike ends up declaring going overseas, one of their best returning guards. So SMU gets knocked down a notch. And Memphis, in that time frame, adds two potential transfers that could potentially be eligible right away. I mean, we just saw yesterday USF got one of their transfers eligible. And then you add Musa Cisse, a top 10, five-star kid. <laughs> you know, failed to mention that. And you get a Juco guy that, by all accounts, is going to make a bigger impact than anybody expects. Oh, and Isaiah Stokes is there as well. Everybody is coming back. For another year, you've got all of those really good freshman guards and wings that can come in, make a a bigger impact this year, and none of that was taken into account. It's just, I don't know, man. It just makes me wonder, like, what his intent, did he do it 
to try to stir stuff up, knowing that Memphis has the biggest fan base in the American, trying to get attention on his stuff. I don't know. I don't know why he would do it. Well, here here's the thing, in my opinion, and I and I wrote this. Uh, I wrote an article about all this yesterday and kind of broke down my opinion on it. So that's on the site. You can go check it out. But I, I don't think this is a one-off. I think we see this from a lot of national media this year. I think I, the way I explained it to Brooks yesterday is I think it's buyer beware because you had all the all the national media buying in so high and buying stock on Memphis last year uh, with the recruiting class that they brought in and the hype around the program, and essentially they were burnt because of that decision. And, and it's not because the team necessarily underachieved; it's because of the circumstances that surrounded the season. And Brooks, you mentioned James Wiseman, DJ Jeffrey's injury. Lester Quinonez injury. That's why Memphis underachieved last year. Uh, were, were there certain games where they underperformed? Absolutely. You can point to the US, USF game for that one. Um, but I think, obviously, a lot of people understand that a big reason they underachieved is because of the injuries and the James Wiseman stuff. So when you look at what national media typically does, when something like that happens, they buy high and then they get burnt because of it. They're going to pull back next year. So I don't think this is a one-off. I don't think John Rothstein's the only one that's going to have Memphis this low. I think a lot of national media is going to put Memphis lower in the rankings this year because they don't want to be wrong again. National media people do not like being wrong for the most part, and that's what happened to them last season. Uh, but I think, Brooks, you made a great case and, and multiple interesting points with Musa Cisse. Everyone knows how high we are on DJ Jeffries. Uh, in the article, I mentioned he's definitely a dark horse for Conference Player of the Year. Musa Cisse should be the odds-on favorite for AAC Rookie of the Year. So there are plenty plenty of things out there where you could point at and say Memphis should be higher than they are. Well, and and he failed to even mention as a breakout player, DJ Jeffries. You know, the only guy from Memphis that he mentioned is Boogie Ellis. And I'm cool with that. Fine. Boogie, his you know last you know 10 games or so, he was really good. He started finally shooting the ball well. Uh, kind of getting his scoring touch back, facilitating offense. But DJ Jeffries, outside of Memphis's two NBA draft picks coming up in James Wiseman and Precious Achiwa, he was Memphis's best player last year. And he sat for the final, what, eight games? So, yeah. You know, how, how can you fail to mention G- DJ Jeffries at all? Period. Uh, it's crazy. I think, I think this is a good a good time to start this conversation around how much weight do we put on national media versus local media versus, you know, those kinds of conversations who who's covering who, because I get it that a lot that fans look at national media and automatically put weight on the things that they say because of who they're with or because of the organization in which they get their paycheck from, um, because they might have a certain amount of followers, a certain amount of wh- whatever it may be, but but this is my this has been my biggest beef with national media for a long time is that number one, it's exactly what Christian said. They don't want to be wrong, so a lot of times there's just kind of this like think tank mentality between them where they just kind of get together and come up with one certain narrative and say, okay, all of us are going to say this one specific narrative about this team when they haven't done the research, when they don't know the nuances of what's going on with the program, you know, that's, that's one of the things about go tigers two, four, seven. I think that's so beneficial is that not only do we go in depth about the tiger program, but we also cover on an extensive basis, 
um, the AAC and 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 the teams that they're going to be playing up going up against on a daily basis and the competition that they're going to face and and we know this we know this conference and these teams better than these national media guys because they don't they're not concerned with it and so putting weight on what a guy like John Rothstein or whoever else it may be on what they say about what the Tigers are going to do. I get the, 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 okay. Oh my gosh, these guys are national media. So they must have more information or more insight, but that's not always true. And, and I just think that, you know, I would just caution against putting too much weight on what anybody says, like John Rothstein or anybody says, pay it like, listen, like, listen to us. We're going to take care of you because we know these guys, we know these teams more in depth than, than John Rothstein does. I think people want to balance that idea of like that national, you know, cast a wide net, try to know a, a little about a lot of teams so that they're putting it in perspective. They're trying to, you know, like I know a little bit about Gonzaga. I know a little bit about, you know, Georgetown. I know a little bit about Memphis and Houston. So I'm going to try to like put it in the big picture and then trying to balance that against trusting local outlets, local experts that watch these teams, watch these recruits before they ever get to campus, watch these conference games night in night out and, and having somewhat of a concern, like are these guys being too optimistic? Are they being too positive? Do they have too high of hopes for this team? Because they have, relationships with some of the recruits before they come in and and they obviously like them you know or or you know think that they're good good kids and want to see them do well so I think there's some level of a balancing act for the average fan that's like okay I, I like what these locals do but am I being fooled is it fool's gold versus okay I know this national media guy he's somewhat biased how do I how do I juggle that? How do I balance it? Yeah, I, I think I think at the end of the day, it's validation. Like because, like you said, fool's gold. Are we putting too much stock into what we see every day? Are we being biased towards a school? And when national media has the same narrative as us and they say the same things as us, that is validation for some fans. Some fans look at that and say, okay, our 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 local media guys are telling us the truth, and this national guy is validating that. And I, I mean, I, I guess you could make an argument that that could be the circumstance sometimes. There are times where that, that probably is accurate. Um, but for us, I, I mean, we always try to be as unbiased and accurate as possible. But Kenny, you know, kind of like you mentioned, the national versus local media, I think a perfect example of that is the football program. And I don't want to get on too much of a tangent here, but they would not have been inside the top 25 if it weren't for these conferences canceling the season. Memphis wouldn't have been in the top 25. They would have been close, but a lot of people are waiting and seeing on them just because of a new head coach. And I know that's that's the head of the program. That's the top of the program. It's obviously a very important position. But when you go in and look at the roster and what's coming back and the depth and the recruits and all these pieces, I just don't see how someone couldn't put them as a top 25 school. So that kind of plays into that same storyline of, of like Brooks was saying, you take pieces from this school and pieces from this school and you try to put it all together in one narrative and, and have, and try to be comprehensive uh, for every school. When in reality, that's, that's pretty much impossible unless you spend 24 seven 
looking at these different schools, going off of rosters, uh, watching as many practices as you can. It, it's impossible. So uh, it's a it's a difficult job. I don't necessarily envy being a national media member that has to pay attention to every school and have an opinion about every program. But I think when it comes down to a specific school, obviously local media has a better idea of what is in that program, what that program brings, and their potential. I mean, I think a perfect example of this is the Josh Minot situation over the last few months. You know, we've been... Prior to him being ranked um, by 247, the National 247 Rankings Council, we've been banging the drum on Josh Minot for Brooks. When was the first date on the podcast? That What was the date on the podcast that we May, talked about, Josh? May 13th. May 13th. And nobody knew about him. And 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 I think that that's you, – you look at it now, we've been banging the drum on how talented this kid is and how great this kid is and the potential and what he can do on the court. And you're starting to see the national media um, kind of picking that up and saying, you know what, <laughs> like I think they're right. And so and, – and like you said last week, Brooks, we're, I think we're going to even see a higher jump for Josh in terms of his rankings. But, but knowing, you know – I don't think it's a coincidence that we've been banging this drum on him for months upon months and talking about how talented he is. And then um, not only do the Tiger coaches, the basketball staff, they've already been looking at him. They offer him, he commits, and then boom, it's like the national media catches up. It's just, it, it, it's just, this is a great example of, of local media understanding the nuances of, of a player's game more so than what the national media understands look just look at it's not just my not you know it's damian ball go back on twitter search at brooks hansen 247 and ball well before well before he was known when he was still a 2018 recruit go back and search jordarian or jd davison back to april of 2018 when he was a freshman in high school this is year in, year out. You know, we we have a, a finger on the pulse. We're watching film. We're watching practices. We're watching tape. We're, you know, like I don't know about you guys, and and y'all make fun of me because I'm not a huge NBA guy. I watch it for context in terms of long-term projections, but I don't watch it out of fandom or out of, you know, it's not entertainment for me. It's more of a job. But college basketball is like, I live and breathe it. I love it. I mean, I could turn on the TV and it could be Creighton versus Pacific or, you know, Nevada versus, you know, you name it. I, and I'm watching that game. I'm just watching it. And, you know, if there's an American athletic conference basketball game on, I don't care if it's like, you know, Tulsa versus USF. I'm watching that game if there's nothing else on. Obviously, I'm going to pick the best game on, but I watch enough of these games to understand projections. I know the recruiting landscape to know about guys that Houston's bringing in this year, about guys that SMU is bringing. So there's there's a bigger picture here than just having a finger on the pulse for Memphis. It's about knowing the conference as well. And I'll just I'll just say it. I think John Rothstein is going to end up wrong uh, on multiple projections. So I, if I'm a Memphis fan, I'm sitting back and reading this. I'm not saying this because, you know, 
it upsets me as a, a fan. It it just I think it what it does is it creates some weird weird dialogue within the fan base that we then have to address. Uh, you know, fans get upset. They want to, you know, like, why is he saying this? You know, screw the national media, that kind of stuff. So, Kenny, well, you were trying to say something, you were on mute. What does he know that we don't know, right? Like that, Yeah. That's... So, I say all of this to address that, I disagree with John Rothstein, period. End of the story. Well, guys, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors, and we will come back on the other side with no SAT or SA, ACT or SAT scores for the 2021 class and how that affects that class moving forward. So as I mentioned early in the episode and before the break, uh, there will be no SAT or ACT scores for the class of 2021. Uh, to get into college. So it's something we've been talking about for a while. I think it's a very interesting thing. I'm obviously glad it happened. It's something that we all deem fairly necessary. So Brooks, what does that mean for the 2021 class and and how does that affect them moving forward now? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me immediately, class of 2021 is now going to be a very, very popular destination for reclassifications from 2022. So obviously, yeah, Memphis already has a five-star guard in that class committed for 2022. The idea that, you know, that reclassification could happen, I think becomes more and more likely as the days go go on uh, for Arterio Morris. I know that Arterio Morris recently came out and said, not happening, but let's just rewind the clock to Devin Askew. Devin Askew was a class of 2021 point guard prospect. He was down to essentially Memphis and Kentucky. And about a month before his decision and all of the, the things that went into that, including his reclassification, he did an interview with rivals Kristen Peake. And in that interview, she asked him about reclassifying the 2020, and he said, straight up, that's not happening. Modern day is where I'll be, yada, yada, yada. Well, turns out the reason for that is that the modern day staff started getting wind of those reclassification talks, and it was upsetting modern day uh, at the schools that were trying to recruit him. So essentially what it became is a battle of modern day trying to work against the schools that were going to try to reclassify him. They tried to push the schools that wanted him in 2021 instead of the the two schools that wanted to reclassify him, Kentucky and Memphis. Obviously, Kentucky won out and he did reclassify. Uh, so what I would say is that with stuff like that, don't believe everything you hear coming out of a player, a parent, you know, an AAU coach's mouth. Uh, we've we've talked about that before in the past. Tony Parker is one in the the past where that kind of issue came up. Uh, I think even with you know Tyler Harris and his dad, that was an issue as well. That where we talked about it's just not it's not necessarily. There's not always going to be truth, truthful statements coming out of a kid, a player, a parent's mouth um, because they they have PR as well. They have to control the narrative. So reclassification 
is the number one thing that I think this means for me. You know, I don't, Christian, what do you think about it? I mean, obviously non, not having to submit a standardized score is a big deal. I guess it places an onus on the GPA at that point. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a hard situation to dive into because that's always been the standard, right? You have to have a certain SAT or ACT score to get into a school, but now you just keep your grades up, worry about basketball. You don't have to worry about studying for this test. I can tell you from taking it six or seven times, it sucks. <laughs> um, and and to be honest, and this is more on a on a personal level to the kids than on a basketball level, some guys just aren't good at taking tests. And that, that's 100% factual. So there's very, very smart people out there. I'm friends with very smart people that didn't make great scores on their ACT just because they have such bad test anxiety and they get so nervous when they're taking tests. And I can imagine that that's even more amplified when it's it's what gets you into playing college basketball. It's what gets you into playing college sports. So there would have to be even more anxiety and worry about going and taking this test that literally defines your future uh, both, you know, going to school academically and going to play sports. So to me, you know, that's the impact that it has. It gives them a little bit more of a break. They don't have to, you know, have so much stress on them about going and taking a test and no one cares about your GPA. I mean, that's that's true in high school. No one cares about your GPA. It's all about that test score. So now they can focus more on, okay, I got to do my homework. I got to take this test in class. I got to pay attention in class, not just focusing on that one test to make a specific score to get into a school. So I mean, these these kids live stressful lives. I know a lot of people always get pissed off about them being prima donnas and taking forever to make a decision and having top 10 schools list. Uh, but they are under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And I think this just alleviates a little bit of that and, and probably helps some of them as far as their grades and, and scores go in individual classes rather than that one big test. Well, Forbes did a big kind of deep dive into the GPA and uh, standardized testing uh, about a year ago and the standardized testing results, your performance on those, the, you know, your score results on those tests is not an indicator of long-term collegiate success. It's an indicator of one thing and one thing only test family income. Oh no family income. Okay. So high income showed higher scores. Low income showed lower scores. And that's all from the ability to pay for SAT and ACT prep. prep. Yeah, yeah, all of that, the the books, the classes, the tutoring, the build up to that. And also probably some level of socioeconomic, you know, the type of schooling, the structure, all of that is probably built in there as well. The long-term indicator, the predictor for collegiate su- success for students, any student, all came down to GPA. Your GPA is the biggest indicator of long-term college success. So I I think this is a welcome change. I would like to see the NCAA make this a permanent thing. And, uh, you know, I made a joke with, uh, uh, my, my GIF GIF. Let's, let's talk about this. Is it GIF or GIF? I say GIF. Definitely GIF. GIF. GIF GIF is peanut butter. (laughs) <laughs> with my with my gif uh derrick rose his reaction to that tweet had had to be like mother boop 
because <laughs> you know let's go back to 2008 that that finals appearance that banner still up it still exists in history uh that never happens memphis never goes on probation so very interesting to see what that's going to do moving forward kenny you got any thoughts before we move on no, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I think that that's exactly, you know, everything that I've read about the ACT and SAT scoring and standardized testing. If if we go anecdotal evidence here, just even with, you know, in my own story, um, I took that thing probably six times, five times maybe. And um, if I took the first time, the first time I took it, I took it without any prep and if I was a decent enough basketball player, I wouldn't have qualified for the NCAA, um, the, 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 I guess the standardized um, level that they had, that you the have clearing to house. hit the clearing house. Yes. Um, and then I was able to prep. I was able to take, you know, get the books and do the testings and do the, the, the prep classes and things like that. And I ended up doing better. And, um, every time I took it, I got better at it because I was able to prepare more. Um, and I, I understand, I agree with exactly what Christian is saying about this, this idea of test anxiety, you know, nobody, people are not, there's certain people that are just not good at testing. And, and I think that to make, to put that amount of pressure on a kid who is, um, trying to trying to get to the place where he can, um, you know, continue his education, further his education and, um, use his skills and talents on the basketball court or football field, um, to be able to get that education, um, to put all of that into one Saturday morning for four hours where they take a test is just insanity to me. And, you know, I think Forbes was, I think, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder where the standardized testing stuff came from in the first place, but I'm grateful that they are removing that from this year. And, and I, you know, I don't, I, I'd love to see what happens with the NCAA. Are they going to, are they going to make this a, a thing moving forward? All right. Well, I think that's enough on the standardized testing issue. Uh, let's take a real quick break here from our sponsors and Christian, what are we talking about on the other side? We'll come back with the UT Martin cancellation, and then apparently you're going to give some VIP nuggets. Let's do it. All right, Christian, like you said before the break, uh, let's talk a little bit about the UT Martin uh, cancellation and then get a little bit into basketball recruiting. Thoughts on that game? Does Memphis replace it? What happens here? Yeah, I'm not necessarily surprised that it happened, uh, especially when you've got games against CUSA opponents and Sunbelt opponents uh, with the money that, that's working against them right now with all the uncertainty. I'm not surprised to see them pull out. Uh, it does leave Memphis at 10 games for the season now with Purdue already off the off the schedule because of the Big Ten cancellation. Um, and per my personal opinion, I don't think that they should try to fill the game right now. Not necessarily because, you know, you've been game planning for UT Martin for so long or anything like that. It's just because we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were kind of predicting what would happen with the schedule. The more bye weeks in this year, the better. Typically, you are prepared for a season. You've had spring practice. You've had summer practice. You know your guys. You know the system. You're ready to go. But for this year... Guys are probably going to get hurt more often because there hasn't been as much practice. 
Uh, you have a new, a whole new defensive scheme that you're learning. So you want as many weeks as possible to load up on information. You have that time now to do so. There's going to be things throughout the season that they want to clean up. So the more bye weeks that they have, the more open weeks that they have uh, to to train and to learn the system and to come together more as a group, to me, that's that's better for them. Now, will they actually try to fill the game? I won't be surprised if they do. Uh, especially if it's you know someone paying them to come there if they can if they can get more money we know how much they need money right now I will not be surprised if they do fill it for that purpose but as far as from just a football standpoint I think it fits them best if they do not uh, but you have to do what you have to do financially we know this is a very big time of struggle financially especially for big universities uh, and then programs like Memphis who have already made a 4.4 million dollar budget cuts with more expected to come. Money is money is imperative right now. So that's I'm sure they'll look for as much money as they possibly can to fill this game, and I won't be surprised if they do. Well, I've seen some people in the comments of that statement say, like, Let, let's go play uh, former Memphis head coach Mike Norvell and FSU. And I'm like, uh, do you guys not know the, the dire straits that FSU is in financially right now? They're, like, in one of the biggest uh, budget deficits in the entire country Right, uh, they're a complete mess from uh, a financial perspective, and they can't afford to pay a team like Memphis big money to come in and play a non-conference game like that. So I, I think that would be amazing. I don't think that Mike Norvell would do it one because it risks putting his old program against his new program, uh, his his system versus his system essentially. And, and him against Silverfield, and we know how close they are. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be amazing. I think that's like if we could ever get uh, Team Thad and Hoop City to play, it's like that on on a bigger scale. Like, But you're just not going to see it. There's too much on the line for the the program that thinks it's bigger than the other, the better. Um, so I just don't think we'll see it. Yeah, and you've Memphis had this would be a very live dog in that game. By the way, mm-hmm. it would be. I think it would be close. Florida State doesn't have a ton of talent, but you see other people saying Arkansas, and they they've clearly gone to an all conference schedule. They just released it yesterday. So the only thing about the potential of adding another game is that there really aren't many options out there. Mm-hmm. So if they're not able to add another game on the schedule, I'll say that's probably why. It's just lack of options and lack lack of teams that can pay you to come in. And you certainly don't want to pay another team to come in. If you had fans and concessions and gate and all that stuff and and a ton of parking, maybe maybe you try to find another team to come in. But I think you lose too much money having to pay a smaller school to come in. I don't think there are enough big programs uh, with non-conference schedules with enough money to pay you to come in. So if it doesn't happen, uh, I believe that's why. But Brooks, uh, I know you have a couple VIP nuggets. Uh, we're running a little long here, so what do you got for our fans that have stuck around to the end about 35 minutes right now? Well, first thing I wanted to tease was uh, Kenny and I, for the first time since quarantine began, we are hitting the road. We're headed to Atlanta this Saturday. We're going to be coming to you live from the Game Elite event called the challenge it's a one-day event showcase uh, of over a dozen teams and one of those teams just happens to be team parsons 25 cp 25 
and most recent University of Memphis commit in Josh Minot. So we'll be coming to you live from the ATL, getting a ton of great comment, uh, commentary and content. That's what I meant to say. Make it one word. Com- content. <laughs> commentary <Commentary>. and content. <laughs> So, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of great stuff over in Atlanta. I think Kenny is super excited. Uh-oh. Dude, I'm so excited. The only thing that makes me sad is that my good buddy Christian can't come. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely bummed. Like you said, this is the first time we've gotten to travel. Typically, like last year, me and Kenny went to uh, Atlanta in March for McDonald's, Vegas in April for Jordan. I was in Virginia in June for MBPA. Atlanta for Peach Sham. So this was the time all year last year I was traveling. Uh, and now, you know, this is the first first trip everyone's taken and I will be at the beach. So I can't complain too much. I'll be on vacation at the beach, but I am uh, I am bummed out that I'm missing out on the trip. So we'll be there uh, taking in as many games as humanly possible. There's two courts, so obviously you can't be in two places at once as one person. But uh, you know, we'll be watching as many guys as humanly possible. Game Elite's got some studs that Memphis is recruiting, uh, probably going to start recruiting as well. Won't drop those names here, maybe in VIP. Uh, Atlanta Celtics are loaded, have some of the top talent in the entire state of Georgia. A uh, ton of really good teams, so super excited. So we'll be there for that. Uh, just published a new VIP article on the front of the site about uh, a guy that I just moved from high choice to top target in class of 2021 guard Jordan Nesbitt uh, from St. Louis. I'm sure you guys have talk, heard us talk about him before. Kenny is obsessed with Jordan Nesbitt, loves him. I think Christian is as well. But, um, you know, Brian Snow, our good buddy from National, just got some quotes from Jordan Nesbitt. And here's one of the things he had to say about the Tigers. I'm just very intrigued with their coaches. I think I also really fit their system and how they play with an NBA head coach and an NBA facility. I think Memphis is very intriguing. Uh, On top of that, there are three or four other quotes. So if you're VIP and you have not read it, head over, gotigers247.com, check it out. If you're not VIP, we currently have a tremendous special going on. You've heard it. You've heard it once, you've heard it seven times. It's a dollar for the first month or 50% off all annual subscriptions. So head over. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary at 247 Sports. A great time to join in on the fun. Um, Another thing, I I watched a ton of games this weekend. There was uh, two tournaments going on. Lake Point Showcase uh, had a ton of teams, a ton of talent that was playing. and then also the JUCO All-American Showcase. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know Langston Wilson put on a show. He was one of the top performers in all of the entire JUCO All-American Showcase. I'll just say this. That dude is smooth. Um, he doesn't have a consistent jump shot. He hit a couple threes. Um, but, you know, I think his bread and butter is at the rim, to the rim, you know, going to the basket, slashing put back dunks in transition. He's a pogo stick. Uh, if you've ever seen one, I mean, he reminds me of a DJ Stephens type of athlete. A- am I crazy? I mean, he maybe not on that level. DJ's crazy, but he's right he's, there. He's, he's bigger. Langston Wilson's just bigger. It, like who do you think? Let me ask you this, Brooks. 
athletic-wise, pogo stick-wise, between Ahmad Ran and Langston Wilson? Who's more athletic? Ooh, I don't know. It's very, say, they're very say, similar. As far as vertical leap, it's got to be Langston. That dude can looks like he can jump over the rim. Yeah, I think just Ahmad jump, Rand. Just jumping, he's, I think Langston. I think Ahmad Rand. He's more about quick off the floor. He's super fast off the floor. Second, third, you know, super fast even after your first jump. Langston Wilson is more like first jump explosiveness, crazy vertical. Um, Someone he kind of flashes to me is like a little bit of Kelly wise. I don't know if it's appearance wise and body, um, but he's, he just reminds me of him. He's smaller. Obviously Kelly wise was bigger, Um, but you know, he's a lefty who is just super skilled with the ball in his hands, like dribbling. He's just got to get a lot of reps with his jumper. So, uh, obviously, a guy to keep an eye on. Zaka Littleton, class of 2022, point guard with Team Carroll, was really good at the Lake Point Showcase. He put up 24 points on former Memphis target in the 2021 class, J.D. Davison, and actually held J.D. to only two points when he was guarding him. So, uh, tremendous defender at the guard spot. That's all I'm going to drop here. So stay tuned to our coverage of the challenge this weekend, everything we get from from Josh Minot and that event. Guys, that's all I've got for this week. Y'all got anything else you want to talk about? Christian? No, I'm good. Kenny? We're good. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 